Time to get on the pain train. All aboard! Choo-choo! That's right, everybody. Welcome back to our Dead Sea Scrolls series. Oh, I cracked myself up. But it is the pain train. We are almost done with their quote-unquote biblical commentaries as we've gone about three weeks now seeing just how bad they were at interpreting the Bible. Oh my gosh, has it been awful, but we are close to done. Today we are going to look over the Psalms. We're going to try to get through that, as well as a commentary on an unidentifiable text, as it is labeled here in my translation. Now again, note, we first examined their attempts at translating Holy Scripture. It's bad. Every time they run into something they don't like, they kind of change the words here and there. Assume that the translation of the verses they're reading is faulty. We don't have time to look into every single letter and every single word here that they translated. But we are going to be paying more attention on their interpretations of it. So let's look at their commentary on Psalms here. From Psalm 37 verse 7a, be silent before the Lord and long for him and be not heated against the successful, the man who achieves his plans. Its interpretation concerns the liar who has led astray many by his lying words so that they chose frivolous things and heeded not the interpreter of knowledge in order to dot dot dot, they shall perish by the sword and famine and plague. There it is. Immediately, because this is the most self-absorbed sect I have ever seen in my entire life, everything in the Bible has to be about them. Every single verse, pericope passage, everything has to apply to their situation or what they want to happen. And immediately, the very first verse from any psalm that we read them commenting on, this is what they do. But let's move on. Maybe maybe they change here from Psalm 37, verses 8 and 9a. Relent from anger and abandon wrath. Do not be angry. It tends only to evil, for the wicked shall be cut off. Interpreted. This concerns all those who return to the law. For those who do not refuse to turn away from their evil. For all those who are stubborn in turning away from their iniquity shall be cut off. Really? Here is Psalm 37 saying... Relent from anger and abandon wrath. Do not be angry. It tends only to evil, for the wicked shall be cut off. It sounds a little bit like, you know, reading according to the plain interpretation. Uh, hey, you shouldn't be so angry all the time. Don't be this weirdo, hateful, revanchist, vengeance guy that only wants to be angry. Of course they interpret it to mean something else. Of course they mean it like, uh, like, repent of your sins dude, I guess. Returning to the law, you're, you're good. It's, it's only the wicked that are going to be cut off. That's what they want to say. Because Qumran, as we have noticed all these months here that we've been studying this, they're an angry bunch. They don't want to be told not to be angry, do they? They really want to hold on to that. Let's see if maybe they, maybe they try to actually just read what the words of scripture say and internalize them. From verse 9b of Psalm 37, But those who wait for the Lord shall possess the land. Interpreted, this is the congregation of his elect who do his will. Very, very specific there. Not just anybody who hopes in the Lord. Oh no, they're like John Piper. 
They want to say that you got to be elected to be saved. And by the way, you have to do lots and lots of good works in order to attain to heaven or their version of it. Yes, Piper really did say that. That's John Piper. He is not your hero. Not a good theologian. End of story. But we continue on for verse 10. A little while and the wicked shall be no more. I will look towards his place, but he shall not be there. Interpreted, this concerns all the wicked. And at the end of the forty years they shall be blotted out, and no evil man shall be found on earth. Oh my goodness, they almost had it right. They almost did. They were right there near the end zone with just a yard away, and they fumbled. <laughs> yes, it does concern all the wicked. After all, the psalm says right there, a little while and the wicked shall be no more. This is true. But then they have to add, at the end of the 40 years, they shall be blotted out and no evil man shall be found on the earth. Not what the psalmist is saying. That's not interpretation. You're just adding things to the Bible. Continuing on in verse 11, but the humble shall possess the land and delight in abundant peace. Interpreted, this concerns the congregation of the poor, capital P, poor, who shall accept the season of penance and shall be delivered from all the snares of Belial. Afterwards, all who possess the earth shall delight and prosper on exquisite food. Uh, that's right, you're going to have bonbons and caviar. We're all just going to love it. From verses 12 and 13, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. Now, let's see their interpretation. Interpreted, this concerns the violent of the covenant who are in the house of Judah, who have plotted to destroy those who practice the law, who are in the council of the community, and God will not forsake them to their hands. Now, do you see the contradiction here? Over in verse 10 of Psalm 37, they said, Interpreted, this concerns all the wicked. They were willing to say, yeah, you know, there's going to be some point in which wicked people in general are judged. You're not going to see wickedness anymore. But then they go over to verses 12 and 13 and go, ah, but wicked actually means the violent of the covenant who are in the house of Judah, who are plotting to destroy everybody in the council of the community, you know, Qumran itself. <laughs> They're not even trying to be consistent. You know what this is? Their interpretive method, let's give it a whole new name. Let's call it the hermeneutics of selfishness self-centered hermeneutics. Maybe we can give it a nice marketable name, but right now we're going to call it selfish hermeneutics, where the Bible is about me. The Bible is about my group, my people, everything. That's it. Shut up. We are number one, period. If you ever go to a Bible study where people are like, how does this verse make you feel? And somebody goes like, I feel like this verse really speaks to my situation. It's really about like what I'm going through with Brad. Then that's it. They're basically doing what Qumran seems to have stinking invented here. A hermeneutics of selfishness, where the Bible is all about you and your friends. Well, let's keep going here. From verses 14 and 15, the wicked draw the sword and bend their bow to bring down the poor and needy and to slay the upright of way. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Interpreted, this concerns the wicked of Ephraim and Manasseh who shall seek to lay hands on the priest, capital P, priest, 
and the men of his counsel at the time of trial which shall come upon them. But God will redeem them out of their hand, and afterwards they shall be delivered into the hand of the violent among the nations for judgment. Not just the wicked in general. This isn't a wisdom psalm. Heaven forbid that we should see this as King David telling us how things are supposed to go, how things will ultimately go, and what we should expect. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a specific prophecy about the wicked of Ephraim and Manasseh. Let the reader understand. Who's gonna, they're going to try to attack our priest and his council and our Qumran community. Sure, pal. Verse 16. Bakat, better is the little which the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked people. Interpreted, this concerns dot, 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 those who practice the law, dot, 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 and quoting verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Let's move on here to verses 18 and 19a. The Lord knows the days of the perfect, and their portion shall be forever. In evil times they shall not be shamed. Dot, 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 I guess interpreting here, to the penitents of the desert who saved shall live for a thousand generations, and to whom all the glory of Adam shall belong, as also to their seed forever. <laughs> Perfect. That means us. Verses 19b to 20a, And in the days of famine they shall be satisfied, but the wicked shall perish. Interpreted. This means that he will keep them alive during the famine and the time of humiliation. Whereas many shall perish from famine and plague, all those who have not departed from there to be with the congregation of his elect. Everybody's going to die but us. We're going to be real good because, as we just interpreted for you, we're perfect. We're the perfect people, you see, so nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. Verse 20b, And those who love the Lord shall be like the pride of pastures. Interpreted, this concerns the congregation of his elect who shall be leaders and princes, dot, 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 of the flock among their herds. Verse 20, part C says, like smoke, they shall all of them vanish away. Interpreted, this concerns the princes of wickedness who have oppressed his holy people and who shall perish like smoke, blown away by the wind. Verses 21 and 22 the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous is generous and gives. Truly those whom he blesses shall possess the land, but those whom he curses shall be cut off. Interpreted, this concerns the congregation of the poor, who shall possess the whole world as an inheritance. They shall possess the high mountain of Israel forever and shall enjoy everlasting delights in his sanctuary. But those who shall be cut off, they are the violent of the nations and the wicked of Israel. They shall be cut off and blotted out forever. And there you have it. There it is, explicitly stated in no uncertain terms. Everything I've been saying this entire stinking series here, that the goal of Qumran, their dream, was for everybody to die but them. And for them to just have their way and rule the world. And in case anybody ever called me a little crazy or like I was reading into it just a little bit too much, let's reread that interpretation. This concerns the congregation of the poor, which we would say is them. <laughs> no doubt about it, that's Qumran. 
That's how they see themselves. They are the priesthood. They are the council of the congregation. They are sometimes referred to as Israel, but they also call themselves the congregation of the poor who shall possess the whole world as an inheritance. They shall possess the high mountain of Israel forever and shall enjoy everlasting delights in his sanctuary. But those who shall be cut off, they are the violent of the nations and the wicked of Israel. They shall be cut off and blotted out forever. Oh my goodness. Hyper-exclusivity with a dream of killing everybody that is not you. That's Qumran. They just gave us a little bit of a thesis statement here in their interpretation of the Psalms. Now you tell me, if any other group of scrolls or resources came from any other group, if somebody came up to a university saying, Hi, I found a bunch of scrolls from a murderous cult here that was that believed that they were the master race and they wanted everybody else to die. They had school shooter theology and all of the Bible was about them according to their interpretations, but they like had a copy of Isaiah or something. If you brought that to any university whatsoever, it might be looked at as a curio. It might just be looked at as this little curiosity here that like, okay, we'll put this in an exhibit somewhere, but it's not going to make a splash. How on earth did the Dead Sea Scrolls make as much of an impact as they have? How on earth did they get famous when this is the group behind it? I can find cults like this. They're a dime a dozen. Qumran is a little bit more honest than others would be about what they ultimately want. But it's not hard to find them. It's not hard to find ancient writings where people are like, rah, 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 our people rule, your people suck. We want you to die and our God's going to beat up your gods. Like, it's not hard to find that. Qumran's not special here, except that they collected 600 pages worth of this trash here that I'm reading to you. Why is this famous? I personally think the only reason it's famous is because they use so much coded language in the Dead Sea Scrolls that it's easy for people to build a cottage industry making lots of money telling you that they have the real secrets of the faith. Oh man, I understand the mysteries of this. Now please ignore all this other stuff that means that the Dead Sea Scrolls are completely worthless outside of being a salutary warning. Don't be like Qumran. Don't read the Bible like Qumran. Don't run your church or your community like Qumran. Don't decide to throw orthodoxy in the trash like Qumran did in order to set up your own little cult. Yes, they are a warning that maybe we should know about, but this is not something that's good for the Christian church in the way that it's paraded around in so many circles like this. These were the real faithful guys. Look at this. We have a scroll of Isaiah that's like accurate or something. Give me a break. We've just heard them say, we want everybody dead except us, and we're going to rule the world. Couldn't put it in more plain language. Continuing on here. From verse 23 and 24, the steps of the man are confirmed by the Lord, and he delights in all his ways. Though he stumble, he shall not fall, for the Lord shall support his hand. Interpreted, this concerns the capital P, priest, the teacher of righteousness whom God chose to stand before him. For he established him to build for himself the congregation of dot dot dot. This is interesting. 
in this interpretive verse here, they are identifying the teacher of righteousness as the quote-unquote capital P priest. They are giving us a little bit of a clue as to how this whole congregation at Qumran got started. Guy calling himself the teacher of righteousness, capital P priest. Maybe he was a Levite. Maybe he had some blood relations to the Zadokite priesthood and decided to leave to start his own thing. Moving along though, verses 25 and 26, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. He is ever giving liberally and lending and his children become a blessing. Interpreted this concerns dot dot dot. We're going to start seeing a lot of dot dot dots here. Sorry guys. Verse 28, the unjust shall be destroyed forever and the children of the wicked shall be cut off. These are the violent dot dot dot. Verse 29, the righteous shall possess the land and dwell upon it forever. Interpreted this concerns dot dot dot. Oh man, this is upsetting me because we're getting to some good meaty stuff here where Qumran is getting really explicit about what they want and who they really are. And it's all fragments. After this point, it's just a bunch of fragments, but we do have a little bit more of actual commentary from them. So after we get to uh, verses 30 and 31, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps will not slip. Interpreted this concerns dot dot dot. Okay, but now we actually do have a real piece of commentary here. Verses 32 and 33. The wicked watches out for the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not abandon him into his hand or let him be condemned when he is tried. Interpreted, this concerns the wicked priest who watched the teacher of righteousness that he might put him to death because of the ordinance and the law which he sent to him. But God will not abandon him and will not let him be condemned when he is tried. And God will pay him his reward by delivering him into the hand of the violent of the nations that they may execute upon him judgment. Verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep to his way and he will exalt you to possess the land you will look on the destruction of the wicked. Interpreted it concerns dot dot dot, who will see the judgment of wickedness and with his elect will rejoice in the heritage of truth. Verse 35 and 36, I have seen a wicked man overbearing dot dot dot, like a cedar of Lebanon. I passed before him and lo, he was no more, though I sought him, he could not be found. Interpreted, it concerns the liar, capital L, liar, who dot 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 against the elect of God and sought to bring an end, dot dot dot. All right, we have two titles for the guy that apparently founded the Qumran community, Teacher of Righteousness and The Priest, capital P, Priest. We have as an opposition figure here, the quote unquote, Wicked Priest, and it seems like it might be the same guy as this Liar, capital L, Liar. It seems to me that we're getting a little bit of an origin story here. Some priest, somebody with a blood lineage to the Zadokite priesthood, goes off into Qumran and founds his own little cult, his own community. Somebody goes over there that opposes him and seeks to put him to death for what he's doing, maybe for the discord that he's sowing among people, and suddenly you have this conflict. Now apparently it's still a very sensitive situation, so when Qumran talks about itself here, it's telling us 
well, obviously the Bible is about us. We're going we're gonna to be that kind of wicked. But it's also telling us that it can't get too explicit. It can't name names. It has to, has to, has to be private or else some people are going to be very mad. It seems to me like at some point maybe there was a massacre. Maybe a whole lot of the Qumran community was killed off at some point because this liar, this wicked priest, whoever he was, came in with a bunch of dudes and attacked them, put some people to death. And now the Qumran community has to speak in code or else that's going to happen again. Just a take. It's a hypothetical take here. But moving on, let's uh, start finishing this up here. Verse 37, mark the blameless man and behold the upright for there is posterity for the man of peace. Interpretation concerns dot 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 peace. Verse 38, but the transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked shall be cut off. Interpreted concerns dot 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 will perish and be cut off from the midst of the congregation of the community dot dot dot. From verse 40, a little bit fragmentary, but we'll just read from where it starts off. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Interpreted, it concerns dot dot dot. God will save them and deliver them from the wicked dot dot dot. Now we get a little bit of a fragment here of an interpretation. That was all Psalm 37, by the way. This is from Psalm 45, verse 1. For the choir master, according to the lilies, for the sons of Korah, Maskil, a song of love. Its interpretation is that they are the seven divisions of the penitents of Israel. Oh my goodness. This is just silly. It says, for the choir master, according to the lilies, for the sons of Korah, Maskil. Tells you everything that they want you to know about it and who was involved, who was supposed to be singing it. And they say, oh, duh, seven divisions of the penitents of Israel. Who else could it be? Not the actual sons of Korah. From uh, 45 verse 1, my heart is astir with a good word. I speak of my work to the king. It's interpretation, dot, 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 spirit of holiness for dot, 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 books of dot, dot, dot. From 45 verse 1, and my tongue is the pen of a speedy scribe. Its interpretation concerns the teacher of righteousness, dot, 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 God with an answering tongue. Because of course, because of course it has to be about me, hermeneutics of selfishness. They had some bad experiences trying to leave Jerusalem, leaving the Zadokite priesthood to start something new. And now with their bitterness and anger, everything is about them. They looked inward, far too inward. They have their head all the way up their belly buttons here. But last part here from Psalm 127 verse 2, vain is it for you to rise early and lie down late. You shall eat the bread of toil. He shall feed those who love him in their sleep. Its interpretation is that they shall seek dot 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 teacher of righteousness dot 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 priest at the end of the age. I almost want to say that the fragmentary dot dot dots I'm giving you, it's like God ripped up these fragments here. It's like God is reading this going, okay, its interpretation is that they shall seek blah 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 teacher of righteousness blah 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 priest at the end of the age blah blah blah. It's really samey. <laughs> it's just not really worth looking at. But now we have uh, finally, I think, maybe we'll be able to be doing one more, but we'll find out. Uh, there is commentary on an unidentifiable text. That's how this is labeled, uh, 4Q183. 
Why is it unidentifiable text that they're interpreting here? Let's go ahead and read it. Their enemies. And they profaned their sanctuary, dot, 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 from them. And they rose for battles, one with another, against his covenant. God saved and delivered, dot, 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 goodwill. And he gave them a single heart to walk in the way of his truth. And they despised all the wealth of wickedness and kept apart from the way of wickedness, dot, 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 the erring spirit and with a tongue of truth, dot, dot, dot. And they atoned for their iniquity through their strokes, dot, 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 their iniquity vacat, and that which he said, dot, dot, dot. So it's obviously fragmentary text, and we do not have what they are commenting on. But if Qumran had an actual tradition of commentary on the scriptures, saying what the scriptures actually said and offering helpful commentary, maybe we could have identified it. They're talking about a historical event. It seems like some people repented. Okay, maybe this is talking about Josiah. Maybe it's talking about Hezekiah's battles. Maybe it's talking about, let's see here, the uh, wealth of wickedness and kept apart from the way of wickedness. Oh man, this could be something out of 2 Kings. We'll never know. Because any single verse in the Bible, the way Qumran's going to interpret it, is going to be this mishmash of it's about us, or it's about our eschatological hopes here, or this is how we are like them, or here is the Bible fanfic that we are going to be reading off of. It's impossible to tell if you don't have the actual text of scripture that they're commenting on. It's impossible to tell what they're commenting on. They could just go off like this on anything. If you had a manual for your microwave, you open it up on like here is how you press X, Y, or Z button to microwave your popcorn for a minute. Qumran reads that and goes, Ah, yes, this means that the teacher of righteousness shall prevail against the wicked priest. The liar, the sons of Belial, shall be slain by the elect of Israel and the holy community, who shall reign with the gods forever. A stop sign that says, stop, they're going to have a terrible interpretation of it. And oh boy, do we get to see that more next week when we read the Florilegium or the Midrash on the last days. And then we get to see their Testimonia or the Messianic Anthology where we start getting into their dual Messiah theory. Spoiler alert, it's crap. But this is their attempt at taking their interpretations and forming something like a kind of systematic theology from it. Hopefully we will have a little bit more fun with that than we had today, looking at the possibilities of their origin stories, their hermeneutics of selfishness, and them just coming out and saying, yes, we want to rule the world and we want everybody that isn't us to be dead. Here's hoping this is a little bit more fun. Amen and amen.